On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we preview our matchup against Dem Cowboys. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. How we doing, Bruce? So we're, we're, we're recovering as much as the Packers are. We have quite a number of injuries. Uh, the injury report that came out late Thursday just said, oh, shit. That was the only thing on it. Uh, <laughs> multiple Adams and Amos signing. Lots of rests and questionable and praying that we get a Burke back. So let's just talk about it. Keeping quarterback out of, of this kind of conversation, what position – on the Packers, do we just have to stay healthy at? Yeah, I think uh, I think it matches my preseason MVP for the for the year, uh, which was a weird one for myself. But Abaki, very weird, our, our left tackle. Uh, I definitely think he is the most important for uh, <clears throat> us to stay healthy uh, because it keeps Rogers healthy. You could see last week as soon as uh, Alex Light went in for Belaga, it just was a train wreck, um, and I don't want to see that on the left side. Rodgers can normally uh, avoid pressure from the right side. You know, if Balaga or Light were to miss, you know, he normally sees that coming and is very well at escaping pressure from that side, uh, but not as good from his backside. So uh, I definitely think it's Bakhtiari. Yeah, he showed that weakness last week. I, I would agree. I would just say, you know, my first take was going to be offensive tackle in general. Just call that a position because if Bakhtiari goes down, it's Alex Light backing him up as well. So if both go down, oh, Jesus. Oh, my uh, but uh, I'll take a different position just for the, the sake of uh, argument here. But defensive tackle, uh, ironically, you know, the same tackle position. But on defense, if Kenny Clark were to go down, you know, we're struggling in the run defense already. Kenny Clark is our one known quantity. I think Dean Lowry's doing a lot of uh, behind the scenes dirty work in the trenches. That's not getting the statistical production, but he's doing some work for us. Uh, but if Kenny Clark were to go down, it's Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, and Tyler Lancaster as our oh. D line. Oh, I don't no, I don't know who shifts to D tackle. Probably Montrevious Adams is one of the bigger boys in there. Uh, but we would just get chewed up up the middle. I mean, we thought Martinez was getting blocked back against the Eagles. Imagine if Kenny Clark were in there. Yeah, that'd be rough. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I almost think like cornerback. I know that King's been banged up. Uh, I just hope that Alexander continues to stay oh, healthy. 100%. Like that group, I we thought the secondary was deep, and now it's you look at it and you're like, they're playing great. Don't get me wrong, but man, if we start losing a little back end support, you. But just Jair, because then yeah. <laughs> King becomes your number one, and yep. your number two is currently out, Tony Brown. So it's Tremont Williams and a little Josh Jackson action. Is that what uh, it looks like? All right. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Sunday afternoon in Dallas, Cowboys versus Packers. Surprisingly, these teams have only played each other 36 times. It seems like it should be a lot more than that. Packers lead the overall series and have won seven out of the last eight meetings, including including two playoff games. 
And as a side note, knock on wood, Rodgers in his entire football career has never lost in the state of Texas. What? And that, and that means everything comes someday. Yes, that's the only reason <laughs> that this podcast is going to be uh, happy come about Sunday at 8 p.m. Regardless, Dallas season is a mirror image of the Packers, really. Started out 3-0, and lots of contender talk, then dropped a week four game where they felt that they probably should have won, that game being against the Saints. Wins against Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. Woof. Not yeah. This is gonna sound biased, but those those teams are dog. Combined record of two and ten, the only two wins being these last two weeks by the Giants, with a negative a hundred and ninety-nine point differential. So the only two wins were the Giants switching quarterback, so not even the one yes. the Cowboys saw. Wow. Yes. Let's talk about this Dallas offense. And our, how we kind of match up on defense. A lot of talk as soon as that final whistle happened in the Eagles game of Zeke is going to destroy us. We are screwed. But how do we feel about this offense versus our defense? I'm uh, quite a bit nervous about their offense. So they have multiple ways that they could run up 35 points on us. And at the same time, our defense could go back to week one through three form and hold these guys to 17 points and have a nice competitive game. So a couple of things I saw out of Dallas, they run a ton of 11 personnel or just Zeke Elliott in the backfield, Jason Witten at tight end, and then three wide receivers. Uh, you saw their backup tight end in at points. His name is Blake Jarwin. Uh, I'm not too concerned about him as a threat, but you saw him at times. They rarely use their fullback, though who's got a crazy name, I'll butcher it, but it's like Ola Wale or something like that. Uh, I'm wondering if we see a little more of their fullback or Blake Jarwin as a second tight end to give them a little more of a power look against us compared to that 11 personnel. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the Dallas offense really relies on Zeke uh, breaking open the game, getting 20, 25 carries throughout the course of a game, and then Dak relying heavily on play action and screen passes. So all that action that makes the defense honor what Ezekiel Elliott can do against you, and then open open up deep throws for Dak. What I have seen, though, in the last couple games against the Dolphins and the Saints are the two I just watched. Dak's throwing it into coverage a lot. It almost looks like he's hungry for the deep shot, and he's not just taking what he's given. Um, so I think we have an opportunity if we stack the box, which was something the Saints seemed willing to do, and they just trust their secondary in man-on-man scenarios. By stacking the box, I mean putting seven or eight in the box, something we weren't willing to do against the Eagles for some reason and got exposed for it. Um, but if we put seven or eight, I, you might see more B.J. Goodson if Oren Burks can play. Um, hopefully we see a lot of him then. Uh, but we need some more linebackers or safeties in the box. Stop Zeke and make Dak play quarterback, and we have a chance. Damn, Dan, did you read my notes? I mean, like, golly. <laughs> yeah, I'm shadowing uh, your computer right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you made a great point. Uh, <clears throat> out of all the film I watched of Dak, Dak has a huge tendency this year to hold onto the ball way longer than he should. You were right. He's looking for the home run like Aaron Rodgers was in previous years uh, and and just making plays that he shouldn't because he wasn't going to the first read. Um, but there's a, there's a point that I want to make. Like They didn't look great in this last game, but they turned the ball over three times and were out-possessed by 13 minutes. And they only lost by two on the road to the Saints. Like, this is a good team. This is not a bad team. Uh, oh, yeah. They, 
they they definitely are very strong on offense in all facets. Um, they're getting Gallup back, which I am extremely scared about this week. Um, I thought that he wasn't going to play, and I was about to say that our corners would just destroy them. But Gallup is a secret threat that they have not really used until this year. So a couple things to to flush out. Let's say Kevin King does play. He was a limited participant in practice or did not participate on Wednesday, but I think it was a similar storyline for him midweek last week as well. So let's say he does play uh, Amari Cooper against Jair Alexander. I don't know if those two – I'm not much of a historian in this sense, but I don't know if those two have matched up before. But I'm super excited to watch that matchup. But I, I'm also not quite sure that you can necessarily mirror Jair against Amari Cooper because mm-hmm. a matchup of the taller, lankier Kevin King against Randall Cobb could also create some issues for us. Even though King's been playing well in coverage, uh, Randall Cobb's more of the shorter, uh, you know, the jitterbug type. Although he's, I know, I know every Packer fan just rolled their eyes at the jitterbug terminology for Randall Cobb, but he's your your typical slot receiver that Kevin King uh, could struggle with. So. What's that matchup going to look like, Josh? Yeah, I can't wait to see. I think, like you said, I don't think he'll mirror him all game. There's there's just too many things the Cowboys do with their wide receivers. Uh, they don't just target Amari. Uh, you know, they do a lot of different things. Uh, so I think they're going to switch it up. <clears throat> but the main thing I want to point out this week is we have to do what the Saints did. Our corners have to cover man-to-man right. most of the time. Otherwise, we don't stand a chance. We have to stop the run. Otherwise, there's zero chance that we win this game. And the, exactly what the Saints held Ezekiel Elliott to 1.9 yards per carry on 18 attempts. So the, the counter to that is that Dak had to throw it 33 times. And so, you know, my sort of overall take, and we were talking before we hit record, I don't even have a score prediction yet. This is going to be off the cuff by the end of this podcast. We'll see how much I've <laughs> we'll see how much I've been convinced to you know add or subtract points from either team. But I, I really think if you look at the box score after the game, if Dak only has to throw the ball twenty times, we're in trouble and we may have lost by double digits. If we can make him throw more like thirty five times, he threw it thirty three against New Orleans. Uh, I would really like that game flow if we're making Dak throw it 35 times. It, Dak is not this top five quarterback. Like he's trying to get paid $40 million a year or something like that we heard in the offseason. I'll give him a top 15 quarterback. He's better than average, but he's not going to beat you on his own without Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, and I want the ball in his hand so he can turn it over to our cornerbacks because I think that'll happen if we let, make him throw more often. So our chance for disruption, really, it's it's stopping the run. And if their tackle is out, Tyron Smith, uh, who is going to be out with a high ankle sprain, uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have to get some pressure when they do drop back. Uh, those are our chances. Otherwise, you know, like I said, on the flip side is this offense is very good and could easily score 30 points on us if we can't control the run. Yeah, and I see the only way us winning is by turnovers. We have to win the turnover battle. Uh, I don't think we have enough firepower on offense uh, if Adams is definitely out. So, right. I will say my confidence level is the same for this statement as it was for the Cousins fumble, and I was very, very giddy about that situation happening. Ooh. I do think Dak throws an interception. I don't think it's a direct interception. I think it's us getting a pass deflect and us grabbing kind of that loose ball. Uh, he he also seems to have a tendency of, you know, I know quarterbacks and wide receivers get in a groove and they're constantly looking for each other. It seems like every once in a while he locks on Cooper regardless of what's happening. There was a few times it was triple. I think there was even a quadruple coverage at one point late in the game that he was trying to go to Cooper. I, 
I think it's one of those where we have an aggressive secondary that it might be the person that's playing that man-to-man coverage that at least tips the ball and somebody's there to kind of retrieve it. I really I feel as strongly about a Dak interception as I did a uh, Cousins fumble, which who knows if that will happen. But it goes back to the one game we lost this year is the one game we had zero turnovers and zero sacks. And this team purely relies on sacks and turnovers. So we got to get something. And I, I think Cowboys are averaging about one sack against this season. So they, they do protect um, Dak pretty well, even though their left tackles out, their right tackles limping, their right guards limping. I hope with this, this rest, because I don't think our pass rush was as strong as it could have been with those four days. I think hopefully having 10 mm-hmm. days. It should make a difference, and then it just becomes a reliant on can this linebacker core of Blake Martinez and whomever has two legs and two arms, can (laughs) they control that middle of the field and just kind of – we can give up yards. We've seen that in the first you know, three games that were wins. We can give up yards. It's just a matter of can you contain it enough and make bigger plays elsewhere. It might be a game where we see 30-something snaps out of B.J. Goodson because power run focus, power running back. The tight end and Jason Witten, he can get open, but he's not going to run 40 yards downfield on you. So I, if Goodson ends up one-on-one with him, I'm okay with it. He, he'll catch the ball, but he's not going to scoot down the field for a 40-yard gain. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Burks isn't healthy that we see a ton of Goodson. And that's a great point is, you know, a lot of people, Ertz, is far and beyond faster right. than anything that they're going to have as a tight end position. I, I think that helps that that's one less thing we kind of have to worry about is, you know, he's not going anywhere, anywhere fast. So right. can we get Goodson in there to just be like, look, man, I, I, we, we all agreed. We liked what he did. Uh, he just didn't play very much. And I hope that it's an adjustment by Mike Pettin to go, yeah, we're not doing that again. We're we're gonna shift things around. So we'll I see hope. what happens. Come Sunday. He had ten days. I hope. So let's change gears and talk about our offense, which is uh, a revolving door meme of who might catch a Rogers pass this week. Um, I'm gonna go on a limb and say we're gonna be okay. I really do think this uh, amount of time off. Does your limb? Uh, include Devonte Adams' toe being healthy by Sunday. I don't think he plays, but I do think. I mean, tight ends have had um, a decent run against the the Cowboys. Ingram in game one, with wonderful boy wonder Eli Manning throwing him the ball. Uh, I've had like 118 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Washington's tight ends caught about three balls for 30 yards. Uh, New Orleans had six or so catches. I think that. Our tight ends are the best group that they face a tight end. And I also underrated player. I think we're going to talk about come Sunday night. I think Dexter Williams might be a difference maker in terms of let's get a heavy back that just goes one direction and see if we can't get the running game going, opening up Jones to catch balls, get a little bit more of that outside treatment. I actually like the the change of pace with Dexter Williams this week as just uh, nothing else has really worked from a running back perspective. Can he be the difference maker, which is both awesome if it happens, but sad if we're relying on Dexter Williams to change how this offense runs, literally. 
Yeah, be careful what you wish for because I love <laughs> Dexter Williams' running style, but the problem with that is the Dallas Cowboys linebackers would see Dexter Williams in the backfield and say, this is either a run or I am blitzing, and he does not know how to pick me up on blitz coverage. Mm-hmm. Yep. So th- these linebackers, Josh, talk a little bit about them because if you enjoy linebacker play or if you enjoy watching defense at all, these two guys in particular are some of the most fun to watch. You know, you say two, I say three. Uh, this, no. is, this is literally my favorite linebacking core in the NFL. Are you <clears throat> counting Sean Lee? I'm counting Sean Lee. Oh, we'll talk about that. Now, the only reason they're they're better than the Bears – uh, linebacking core is because really one's only rushing the quarterback on the Bears. But the three that I'm talking about here are Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, and the surprise from last year, second year player out of Boise State, Leighton Vander Esch. Um, I really thought are, he was. I really thought he was a Mormon. I was surprised to see he was Boise State. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was <laughs> a BYU, I thought he was a BYU product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these guys are fast and they are talented. Um, but one thing I want to point out about them, they are so aggressive. They attack the run first nine times out of 10. They're not great in pass coverage, but they're amazing. We need to watch out for them. And I think that's the reason exactly like Dan said, it's going to be very hard to get a rush game in this game. Yeah, they are aggressive. They are flat. They are fast. They fly to the ball in tandem. You're going to see a lot of tackles. The announcers are going to be saying Vander Esch. And Jalen Smith quite a bit. Speaking of Notre Dame products, uh, Sean Lee, though, Josh, I could not figure out their usage of him. I found it very interesting. And just from a general you know, usage, maybe your point about, you know, they attack the run so strong that they get exposed a few times makes sense. Because I realized the linebackers were lining up either like five to seven yards deep, which is mm-hmm. a little deep for a modern day NFL linebacker. A lot of times you'll see them creeping like three to five yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, so Jalen Smith in particular sometimes was seven yards back. And I, I get that he's fast, but maybe they're saying, you know, you attack the run so strong. Let's give you a little more time to process if it is play action or a pass. Um, but Sean Lee, you know, how much of him did you watch? Because I, I really saw that he's a little past his prime the way they lined him up was interesting. Uh, I was trying to get a grasp on it, but I want to hear from you first on why you still list him as one of the the great tandem linebacker here. <laughs> well, th- so you're you're totally right. They, he is confused. So he was pretty much playing Vanderesh's spot before he got hurt last year, right? Then Vanderesh comes in and blows everybody away and won his spot over. So they're trying to find a spot for Sean Lee to fit, and they haven't found it yet. And that's why they are struggling in the pass game, because literally all three running backs want to make the play. They're used to making the play. They're used to being the person to make the play. So they're all attacking, trying to get the tackle. All three linebackers. Yeah, all three linebackers. So so I I, I think hopefully they still don't figure it out. But Sean Lee's still one of the elite linebackers in the league for sure. Oh, I don't know about one of the elites. Yeah. He, he was. Who paid you, know, you Gibbs? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, say that. He, he was on this track like a, leak, a Luke Keekley, like a Patrick Willis. You know, he was just an elite, untouchable linebacker, but he just could never stay healthy. And I think as he as his career sort of hits the second half, all the injuries are wearing on him. So a, a couple different ways they lined him up. Sometimes it was like this traditional Sam linebacker where he's over the tight end and his assignment's pretty simple, right? If the tight end goes out for a pass, he was on him. If it's a running play, he's going to engage the tight end and attack the run. But other times, what I found super interesting because he is not as athletic and as fast as Jalen Smith or Leighton Vanderesh is sometimes they lined him up like a nickel corner. So like mm-hmm. a third corner. 
I found him seven yards off the line of scrimmage over a true slot receiver for the Saints. So it wasn't like a tight end flexed out. It wasn't a running back pretending to be a receiver. And he was actually locked in man-on-man coverage. So I don't know if that was a specific misalignment or if the Cowboys are comfortable putting him out there. But my my call on this game, we've been calling him hot takes, but we've been so accurate, boys, that we can't call him <laughs> hot takes anymore. My prediction here um, is is trying to expose Sean Lee in coverage because one of the things that was clear as day was they're taking him out in obvious passing situations. Mm-hmm. He's the first one to leave. The two inside guys stay, uh, but they flex him out for a, a traditional cornerback. I would love to see us, whether it's two tight ends and Vitaly or a tight end plus Vitaly or just two tight ends on a down like first and 10 where he's in the game because it's not, you know, a third and 12 where they know we're passing. We've we've got to get a one on one situation against Sean Lee with a guy like Jimmy Graham or Aaron Jones. And I think that's going to be our big hit play. I'm not going to call that goes for a touchdown necessarily, but our big hit play is going to be finding a way to isolate this guy and just getting a step on him. Yeah, and their corners are great. Uh, they're, they're not big-name corners, but they have literally one of my favorite coaches in the league, Chris Richard, Richard uh, who will be either a D coordinator or head coach soon. Uh, who knows? But he's he puts he gets the best out of his players week in and week out. They love roughing up the wide receivers. They love hitting them up at the line. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. I think we expose those linebackers in the passing game and either, you know, put MVS, Jimmy Graham, somebody in the inside uh, to get a streak down the middle. And and the reason we're saying, uh, I guess we're tracking so heavily on the linebackers is the Dallas secondary is pretty good. Uh, we got, unfortunately, we got a little excited due to Dallas injuries that were happening on Sunday. We don't want to you know, root for injuries, but a couple safeties got dinged up and we we're saying maybe we will have a passing game without Devonte Adams. Uh, but I just don't know with MVS and Geronimo Kumaro actually looks like he practiced. So we may see him. Uh, would, it be, would that be the first time this year we'd see him? Uh, Kumaro no. played, played the first played game week one? for one okay. catch. Yeah. Yeah. So the three of them, a little Darius Shepard and Lazard sprinkled in. Um, you know, I just don't see who's going to have a big game out of our traditional wide receiver core. So I'd, I think it's got to be these other guys. Unless Rodgers can work some magic and make MVS look great against you know, Chidobi Awuzie, I think you pronounce it as. They got a bunch of names that are impossible to pronounce. But like Josh said, he's a great cover corner. I just don't trust our second-year receiver with some limitations to have a 100-yard day against them. The Dallas defense is only allowing 14 points per game. So yeah. we're and allowing 17, and we're pretty, we're pretty psyched about our defense. Their defense is three points less. Yeah, and they're tied for the thir- third lowest red zone touchdown efficiency in the nfl with 35.7 uh so green Bay oh, but we're, doesn't we're matter the they played junk teams they played junk teams <laughs> there's don't, the other don't give team. me those stats don't give me well, those there's, stats. I, there's all the i want side. i hope all we practiced on this week was the red zone that's all i'm saying no uh, Jeff, they we, did we hand, they handed it off uh, twice on tuesday's practice all right good so, deal good deal we didn't we didn't practice at all <laughs> we we built playgrounds in the milwaukee area uh, yeah don't get me started uh <laughs> but i the I want to see us do the screen game more in this game, too, because the linebackers are so aggressive. I would love to see some tight end screens. We haven't really seen any yet. Um, The Saints pulled off a couple in their game, uh, and that succeeded pretty well. Uh, So I I hope that LaFleur saw that and calls him more than once or twice. Who's that tight end screen going to? Because Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are only rumbling for six yards. 
Oh, this is my other point. Jimmy Graham better not line up in a three-point stance in this game. If he does, <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. Like, just let him line up at our slot receiver position. Like, don't let him block. There's no reason for it. No, yeah. just catch the ball, Jimmy. I think that's the only chance we have on offense is to throw out formations that, frankly, we've never had before this season because we haven't had this kind of mess of who's going to be playing and doing what. But if we can get Aaron Jones out of the backfield catching, Jimmy Grant's more of a slot receiver. Like, if we start mixing it and matching it, I feel like we can steal a few plays where they go for a lot more yards than we were expecting. But yeah, the bookies— gonna- Currently have Dallas as three and a half point favorites with an over under of 47. What are we thinking? That over under is way too high. Ooh, so, really? Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I've mm. actually, I've been a betting man in the past and I wish I was this year because so far I'm four for four on over under predictions. Um, I just think the Packers are going to struggle to score specifically. And if our defense shows up at all, knowing that they need to have a great game to have a chance, then we're going to do a better job against the run. And it's not like Dallas is going to get 42 points and we just get a touchdown. So I think the 47 and a half, 48 is a little too high. I think the Vegas spread is pretty accurate for uh, to try to split your betters 50-50. I think it's about right. But um, are we guessing scores now or are we just reacting yeah. to the spreads? Yeah, it. scores. Oh, man, what have I talked myself into? All right, so – Really, this all hinges on, you know, the thing I said up front, if Zeke can run it 28 times and Dak only has to throw 20, uh, we're going to lose and it's not going to be fun. Uh, we got to stop the run. That's going to be important. And then we just really have to scheme some guys open on offense. And they did a nice job holding down Alvin Kamara last week. So I'm not quite sure it's going to be Aaron Jones. I like our tight end matchups if we can scheme them on the right linebacker. Uh, otherwise, you know, these linebackers are great and I'm not sure our receivers are going to do much. So. Um, I'm still saying the Packers are not getting to the 20 point mark, which might elicit some booze from the listeners. Um, so I'm going to go Dallas 27 Packers 17. All right. All right. I also have uh, <laughs> Cowboys winning. Um, uh, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to what I had. Cowboys winning 27, 23, um, but the Packers will have the ball at the end with a chance to do something, but I think they come up short. I don't think they fix their red zone uh, deficiency. Um, so, But if they do win 30-27, I'm also right in this one, correct? Because I have them driving, <laughs> driving no. down. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no. So, Ryan, are you going to take the Packers? Because we talked that we said we could see this game going so many different ways. Are you going to be the contrarian, or are you still going Cowboys? Do you want – my realistic viewpoint or my Kool-Aid viewpoint? Realistic. There's Kool-Aid pod. <sighs> There's Kool-Aid podcast out there already. Because <laughs> I, I was sipping on it. I was sipping on it all day thinking all right, about let's, this. Let's hear both. Let's hear both. <laughs> I think I think realistically Dallas wins. I think that it's close for the first half, but then we have these three series in a row on offense that we go three and out or maybe get one first down. And they capitalize on two or three in a row, and that's it. And we're just kind of playing this catch-up game similar to the Eagles where we're there, but we can never make it over the hill of getting defensive stops and offensive uh, movement at the same time. The Kool-Aid version is that this defense 
goes back to the mentality that they had against the Bears and Vikings where they had to play great defense. They had to match the defensive quality that was facing them. They step up to the challenge. They get the pressure. They get a Dak pick. They they maybe even force a Zeke fumble, but they just control it. And then you see Aaron Rodgers with that damn smirk going, do you see what I'm doing with a bunch of second and third stringers and a tight end group that doesn't block? And they somehow pull it off on a on a last minute field goal. But the realist in me says it, it probably is Dallas uh, 27-16. Oh, one point off from mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, My the MVP. Kool-Aid. The MVP. Uh, I was I would say Alexander though. If it is it. Yeah, mine mine was gonna be Alexander too. Uh, so I'll just take. Uh, no, I, I'm staying with Alexander, too. <laughs> I, 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 desperate, I desperately want him to have a pick six on Dak early in this game. I think him getting motivated uh, will just pump our team up, and then we will crush the Cowboys if that happens. So I was going to say, based on Ryan's interception prediction where he called it, it's going to be a tip. Alexander would tip it. It goes to Savage. I was going to say Savage becomes your MVP just on that pick return. But it's going to be on controlling the run. I'm going to stick with the theme. Uh, I'm going to go Preston Smith. We're going to need the Smiths to hold the edge, but then also crunch it down a little bit to help support the middle of our defense here. So I'll go Preston Smith with the MVP. Let's just hope it's not a Randall Cobb punt return for a touchdown. Don't why did I even say that? Why Knock on that wood. That? Knock on that what wood. What in the hell? I I we talked about it kind of a little bit at the end of our last episode. I'm not so much worried about this game. I am worried if we lose the Cowboys and then go home against Detroit and lose, that this season could easily start to spiral a little bit between injuries, not quite getting to the level of play we need. If we can somehow win this game, I think it turns right back into that feeling leaving the Bears game of we went on the road, we stole one. We're playing with house money. The team gets loose again. We make a little bit of a run. This game would be absolutely ginormous to win, and it would just be like, uh, damn, that sucks that we lost, assuming that we just don't get the doors blown off of us in, a, uh, in this way. But I, you could tell me any result to this game, and I'd probably believe it. I think this yeah. is the perfect gambler dead zone of week five through eight where you have just enough big of a sample size where you think you know everything in the world you start dropping those five team parlays to which four of the five lose and you're like i don't get this league at all i don't know what's happening we're in that perfect dead zone that cowboys could run away with it packers could just play out of their mind i have no idea i do lean on the side of it's not going to be good for the pack but I I just wouldn't be surprised however this turns out. Ryan, let me let me get this in there just in case it comes true. My Kool-Aid take is Devontae plays. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's my take too. He's totally playing. <laughs> totally playing. I I know the odds are like ninety nine percent he doesn't. I heard turf toe is just a, a painful B I T you can fill in the last two letters of a kind of injury that it just sticks around maybe for a season if you do try to play on it. But he's got 10 days. We saw him jogging today for two seconds. I'm like, I don't know. It's an afternoon game, so he's got all day to loosen up. It's a big game in Dallas. He knows the national media, the national attention. To your point, Ryan, 
the the ESPNs of the world are all over how great the Cowboys are already. If the Packers can pull this one out, it gives them it gives us some flexibility against Detroit, who's shown that they have a real nice defense that Rodgers is isn't always picking apart. Uh, it would be a huge game to win. And oh, my Kool Aid take is Devontae finds a way to play, and that opens up. A few different things we didn't talk about today because it's probably not happening. <laughs> you know what could be interesting is the same thing that the Patriots did with Gronkowski a couple years ago where he was injured and he just came in for red zone. Like, I'm like, Devontae, yeah. can you give us seven plays this game? They're all within 15 yards of the end zone. We just need your red zone presence. Like, well, yeah, give us 20 snaps, but their number one corner is going to have to be on you just yep. out of respect, at least until they figure out that you're not 100%. Uh, but on those plays, we've schemed away because you're pulling away their number one corner that we've worked something out in film study. There's something there. That's my Kool-Aid take, my new, my new, our new name for hot takes. Kool-Aid take. <laughs> well, that will do it for this episode. We'll see how Sunday goes. Come on, four and one. <laughs> oh man yeah maybe I don't know (laughs) so thanks everybody go back go go